Yeah, um, for some people that don't know my background, I'm from South Sudanese. Yeah, I've been here in Australia now for since 2003. I came here when I was 16. But in 2005, when I finished my university, I started getting pain in, in my kidney area. Okay. And from there, it's just like, I just take Panadol and Nurofen, and just take Panadol and Nurofen. I went to the GP and GP yeah. said, Oh, you probably will get a kidney stone, and I didn't understand what is kidney stone at that time. Yeah. So I just ignored it. And they done a urine test, and, and I was passing a lot of uh, protein through urine. 2017, that's when completely my uh, kidney stopped working. And then, yeah, so, but my, my body didn't res respond well with, um, uh, with the peritoneal dialysis. Um, yeah, I did this dialysis for since 2017 until 20. 22 on August um, the 2nd yeah I was talking on the phone um, with my friend at home I just finished cooking my dinner yeah got phone call they sent me a text message said um, what did it say? Uh, the text message said um, this is a transplant nurse can you urgently please call us the dinner that I cooked didn't I didn't even eat it <laughs> <laughs> were you nervous at the yeah so I was nervous and um, yeah I cried cried it all night and According to my diagnosis, they actually don't know exactly what causing it. And but if I'm looking back, what caused my kidney failure? As you know, we've been in a war. Oh, a lot of things. Oh, thing that you remember is just a thing that are not actually good because you you walk through the bush, you no know, water, no food, and yeah, you go for days with no water. If you find a water, that's going to be a dirty water. They're not actually dirty water, rain rain water, just on the ground. That's the water that you drink. Welcome to the ED Jam. Hey frothers, welcome back to the ED Jam podcast for 2023. Um, yeah, you haven't heard my voice in ages, but I'm back. Um, I hope you've had an awesome holiday. Um, I've been enjoying my 2023 at the start, surfing up the coast, um, having heaps of fun. I hope you're well. Um, I hope you're well rested. Let's crack into another year. As you just heard, we're hearing from Chol, who's an emergency nurse, and he's got a crazy story. Um, a patient story. We're going to listen to that. You're really going to love it. Um, I hope you're well. This year I've got heaps in store for everybody who listens. Um, you're going to love it. I hope you do. Anyway, um, and we've got heaps of cool people coming on the show. Um, we're going to hear about pediatric seizures. We're going to hear about chest strains. We're going to hear about awesome stuff that you can apply into your clinical practice. Um, I hope you're well. Let's crack into the episode. You. Yeah. You be small, man. Come on. You be small. You. Um, <laughs> All right, cool. Oh, no, I'm an idiot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've just finished a 12-hour shift. That's what it allows for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, welcome to the podcast, Frothers. Um, we're on the podcast this week. I'm chatting to um, a legend, Chol Dang. Um, and this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, you are an emergency nurse. We've worked together for, oh, 10? 2013. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw this legend, he came into a hospital and was doing six months um, working in our ED. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, it was great, it was great. And playing, playing basketball with you guys was, a, was, was one of the good things. <laughs> 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 and, um, and we have a plenty of pictures that, that will remain in memory for, oh, for a long time. Oh, yeah, dude. I, was, I think I've still got my ED, um, for all the ED boys out there. You? Yeah. Anyone still got a jersey? Um, and we met together, we instantly connected. Um, and we then, I've then come across a, one, a different hospital and we're working together again, which is awesome. 
Um, but Joel, we're going to crack in, um, and this podcast is a bit about you, your story um, of you as an emergency nurse, and also your journey, um, which had a bit of a change in 2022 of August the 3rd. So, mate, how long have you been an emergency nurse for? Um, yeah, thank you, Ben, for welcoming me um, to your podcast today. I'm quite delighted to be here. Um, yeah, so um, basically, yeah, um, I've been a nurse um, um, since 2010. Yeah, so I've been working in emergency for, yeah, since 2011. Um, I left for six months to go to Northern Territory to work in a um, yeah, indigenous community oh, remote. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good experience, and I did six months there, and I came back. Um, since I started um, my nursing, um, I just like emergency nursing. There's no other place that I can find myself working yeah. in emergency. So emergency is my thing. So I'm kind of person who get bored quickly. Yeah. So I just like it. Keep going, and then yeah. So yeah. What's your favorite place to work in ED? If you look on the allocation board, Chol walks in. It's seven a.m. in the morning. Chol looks at the board. What place do you love the most? Most of the time, where I like working is at Rissas okay. and. Um, yeah, that's what I usually like because I like interesting stuff because that's where you see different things that you want to do. Mm. And I enjoy working in there and also doing fast track area yeah. because you're getting all these different little things that you need to do and you're kind of working independently and I yeah. like working in an independent environment where you can, like being a clinical initiated nurse, you can order fluid, you yeah, can yeah. order Maxlone, you can order all those Panadol and Nurofen which you can do independently instead of waiting for the doctor and putting in plenty of cannulas and taking blood. Yeah, you're good at getting lines in, bro. So, so yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, most of the nurses always say that you're very good and patient always appreciated me because yeah. I, they don't feel pain when I'm putting a needle in. <laughs> <laughs> you want lines, come see Joel. <laughs> it's good, man. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so uh, ED is my thing. And ED that's, that's That's where I, yeah, I don't know, mostly maybe that's where I will retire. I don't know, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't cool. know what's lie ahead, so, but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my journey coming here to Australia, um, yeah, I came from a Robbie G camp in in Kenya. Um, so as uh, some of you know, South Sudan has been in a war. I think um, when I was born, I was born during the war, and we've been there. So basically, we've been around most of the African neighbor country, leaving our own country because of the war, and they just go and live in a Robbie G camp, and that's how we came here. Yeah. To Australia because um, um, as a immigrant on a permanent visa, um, I didn't come with my parent here because everyone was separated during the war. Mm. So I came with my elder sister and my elder brother. Um, yeah, so we came here. I came here when I was sixteen. I mean, I we went straight down to Kofsava. So I was living in Kofsava. Okay. Yeah, and I finished my high school. I didn't complete my uh, high school because I left. Kenya when I was in year eight, but because when I was 16, when I came here, I have to, they have to put me to according to my age. So I was 16, so I went to year 10. So I done a half of year 10, year 11 and 12, so I skipped the rest of the other classes because mm -hmm. of my age. It was a struggle. I came here, I don't yeah. speak any English or anything like that. I can write. Mm. And yeah, and yeah, that's basically, and speaking English, I, I basically, I learned it here while I was here in Australia. What did you do? How did you learn? Like talking to people, isn't it music? Yeah, just, uh, just talking to people and, yeah, yeah. and, and basically, um, yeah, so go and play with kids. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so and play soccer. We used to love soccer a lot and playing with kids, I think, helped us a lot. So yeah, mm. and that's how we pick up the language from there. And also too, with the high school here, 
um, in Australia is completely different to where we came from because sometimes we were a little bit, the culture is a little bit complete, was a completely shocked from us. And it, yeah, the way we do our thing, it was completely different. We have, so we have, we were just learning slowly, try to catch up. And sometimes t-shirts goes, why you guys are quiet and all those kind of stuff. But yeah, we just told them like, we just try to learn how people do their things here and yeah. we don't want to rush into things and okay. uh, be able to, um, yeah, so we can understand instead of rushing into a different culture and probably you might cause problem and you, we don't want to, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's a little bit of my background. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah, I, and I went to university, University of New England, so Armadale, which was a little bit cold yeah. compared to Kofsava. <laughs> yeah. And compared to South Sudan too. And compared to where we were in a refugee camp in Kenya, Northern Kenya. Yeah. So it was a little bit freezing and it was quite challenging, but mm. yeah. So, but yeah, we push ourselves through there. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, and you've got it. Um, we'll, we'll get on to it. We're going to get onto your earlier history, mm. a bit of a bit of some stuff from Sudan. Um, but you've got an awesome um, piece of jewelry on, which is a, a map of Africa, which looks really cool. Yeah, so um, the the symbol of this map is uh, just remind me where I came from and yeah. be able to know that yeah, this this is who I am and. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I love my background, even though I, I'm here in Australia, I call Australia home. Australia is home yeah. for me because um, I came with nothing. Yeah. And I got my education background here. And yeah. uh, the education that I got here, I would have not got it where I, were, where I was in a refugee camp. Mm. So, it, um, yeah, so even though I have African heritage, I still call Australia home. And Australia will be always home. And I'm grateful to be here in this country yeah, dude. because a lot of things that I have done in my life or yeah. things that I have changed in my life, um, Australia have given me a lot of things, so, mm. which I appreciate. Um, when I first came here to Australia, as you know, I came from a refugee camp in Kenya yeah. where there's um, usually no medical check or anything. You get sick, you just stay home. And yeah, basically until you get better, you don't get any treatment, no nothing and all mm. those kind of stuff. So, but when we first came, arrived here in Australia, 20, 2003, 22nd of July, um, yeah, um, early uh, 2005, when I finished my university, I started getting pain in, in my kidney area. Okay. And from there, it's just like, I just take Panadol and Nurofen, I just take Panadol and Nurofen. I went to the GP and GP yeah. said, oh, you probably will get a kidney stone. And I didn't understand what is kidney stone at that time. Yeah. So I just ignore it because yeah. then, as you know, we were living by ourselves and we don't have any other people that have medical background on those kind of stuff. So I just, when I take Panadol in Europe, the pain goes away. And until early, when I went to university um, uh, 2006, um, Amaral, uh, I continued to get the pain down in my plank area, in my kidney area. Mm -hmm. So I went and saw GP, and the GP went and done everything. Um, they done a kidney lab, my, my creatinine, and mm -hmm. it was a little bit, um, yeah, going up. And they done a urine test, and, and I was passing a lot of uh, protein through urine. Mm. And so they, the GP repaired me down to, um, to, um, um, to kidney doctor, the kidney specialist doctor. And then from there, I was getting high blood pressure too. So I started getting headache and all those kind of stuff. They check everything, and my blood pressure was really high. So I went and see the kidney specialist. And then the kidney specialist started saying that I think you're probably going to get a a failure in in coming years, but not now. 
So I just need to let you know this is what is going to happen. And yeah, I don't know how we're going to change. We can't change it. We just have to manage whatever we can manage at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so that was year 2006. Yep. Yeah, so while I was doing uni. Um, yeah, so from there until 2017, that's when completely my kidney stopped working and completely. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, so I first I went into surgery to um, have a peritoneal uh, put in into my stomach. Yeah, what's that? What is it? Tell me what that is. Yeah, so to peritoneal uh, dialysis is just like you know to yeah, basically to get um, to clear all the uh, toxic into your from your body, yeah. and basically it's run through the fluid and um, and um, you uh, you set up the machine and it just put the fluid into your body, into your stomach. They stay there for maybe four hours, okay. fluid. And then after five hours, they, it, um, it drained it out automatically. And then, yeah, so, but my, my body didn't res respond well with, um, uh, with the peritoneal dialysis. How often were you doing the peritoneal dialysis? Uh, it's every night. Every night, so every, every night, night. Every night, seven days. work in, in emergency. Emergency, and then I go home. He connects himself up to a machine for yeah. four hours, yeah. wakes up. Pulls in the middle, off, yeah. In the middle of the night, and get up in the morning to go to work. Yeah, and your stomach, your stomach gets quite distended. Get distended, yeah, and you, you get you don't actually get sleep. So no. basically, yeah, okay. so it's very uncomfortable, and your body heat up. And the tube comes out of your stomach, which yeah. is to connect it up to the dialysis. Yeah, and you get trained to do that. Yeah, you get trained yeah. to do that. Yeah, so but mine because being a nurse, it took me one week to and to, to work it out. To work it out, and yeah, I went home. So I didn't. I didn't get more training like the other people that don't have <laughs> yeah. nursing background. So uh, yeah, so, so after that, the peritoneal dialysis didn't work, and I was yeah. just getting a lot of vomiting, yeah. nausea, not eating, basically losing a lot of weight. So they, uh, my specialists, uh, decided we have to put in um, a fistula. Okay. So I went and saw the um, vascular doctor yeah. and they put a done a fistula. It need to take at least six weeks for them to use it. Yeah. So I was just still using peritoneal dialysis, and then after that, when the when the six weeks were over, yeah, they start training me up on how to do my own dialysis on hemodialysis. So you got a machine at home? Yeah. So yeah. that big machine that they have in ICU, yeah. they took it to my house, and I did them again. It didn't take me long to do the training because being a nurse, sometimes you, <laughs> you know all the things. So you're cannulating your fistula in your left, yeah, left, your left arm. arm? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The big, what size cannula do they use? Um, 18. 18. Yeah, mine was 18. Everyone have a different size. Using yeah. it right-handed. Yeah, right-handed. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever miss? <laughs> it, it is hard when it's when it's first when it's not grow. Okay. Yeah. So, but once. One is grow, it's just, yeah, it, it. it is easy. Yeah. But it's painful, but you, some people look, use the lignocaine, but I, I just go straight. You're tough, bro. You're I don't, I don't use any lignocaine. Same thing with the hemodialysis. Um, yeah, you just, you do it three days a week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, so usually, like I said, I was still working full time. Maybe I reduce maybe to a little bit of part time during the time to yep. just to get used to it. But otherwise, I switch back to normal full time. So I do the three days a week, finish night shift. I just go home and hook up myself, and it will goes off after five hours, and then the machine will go off. And again, um, there's a lot. Of, there's a couple of complications with the hemodialysis too. Like 
because you've got to weigh yourself and you've got to know how much fluid you drank and all those kind of stuff. You've got to be on a fluid restriction. Yeah. Compared to um, peritoneal dialysis, you're not on a you you're on a fluid restriction, but sometimes you can drain them out. But this one, you've got to know your <laughs> you got to you got to know exactly what you're putting in because yeah. sometimes it's just yeah yeah it's just it, it yeah um, it it is hard because like sometimes is um, yeah you might miss more fluid there or you might drain it more and if you drain it more you will get a lot of cramping which is like the cramping is quite yeah quite bad and yeah so and yeah so i had up and up 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 and down kind of issue with it but yeah um did you ever get admitted for being unwell with you being on hemodialysis uh hemodialysis i wasn't unwell that much but the problem is because like uh, i got big bane yeah so my fish like it like got bigger, bigger yeah. and bigger. The main thing is a uh, operation that I have, like you know, getting clot into my fistula. Yes. So I had a lot of operation with best clot. That's the only time that I get better, okay. got unwell. But otherwise, doing the dialysis was oh, not a problem. Yeah. It's just a fistula issue that I had all those times. And days off when you didn't dialyze, were you tired? Were you lethargic? Were you yeah, 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 yeah. So the days, yeah. So if you haven't dialyzed, you'll be tired and you'll be very, very, very sleepy. And I think probably when I was at work, if some people have noticed that I wasn't that energetic and I was very always, yeah, always feel lazy and all those kind of stuff, which is usually not me. Yeah. And yeah, because some people who knows my background have seen what it is. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so like, yeah, you get lazy, you get tired really, really quick and you just, yeah, you get exhausted. Mm. So, and yeah, what, what, what do you have to do? But yeah, you just have to continue doing that. Um, yeah, but what I did last time, the doctor said for you to avoid getting tired, maybe you do it every second day mm. and that helped. And, but, but because of facial who didn't help me really well because yeah, you get blocked every now and then. And yeah, so it was just like yeah, so it was it was a little bit of trouble there. But at the end of the day, so I got there. Um, yeah, I did this dialysis for since 2017 until 2022 on August um, the second. Yeah, I was talking on the phone um, with my friend at home. I just finished cooking my dinner. Yeah, got phone call from um, uh, the transplant. Um, um, uh, nurse, the phone didn't come through. They sent me a text message. Said, um, what did it say? Uh, the text message said, um, "This is a transplant nurse. Can you urgently please call us?" Did you think it was a prank? Yeah. Did so you think, oh, no, yeah. So like I, when I saw the message, <laughs> I, I hung up on my friend, and I didn't even say bye. <laughs> so I, I was already getting excited. So how, how long were you on the transplant list for? Yeah. So. So I was on a transplant for five years. But five years. Yeah. So when they did, when I went on a transplant, because I was healthy, I didn't have any heart issues, I didn't have any diabetes, I didn't have any weight issues. So I went on a transplant, just just like that. Everything yep. was perfect, yep. except only blood pressure because of it related to to kidney, yep. and I didn't have any other health issues. So I went on a transplant straight away. Compared to other people, other people they have diabetes. Um, they had other um, cardiac issues, so yeah, some of them they have to do like, but mine was just like flow within immediately. So I waited for five years. So on that day, yeah, so I called back. I called back the the nurse, 
And the nurse said, hey, yeah, Chow, yeah, I've got a very good news for you. Well, like, and then I go to him like, yeah, really? He said, yes, um, I have found a kidney for you and this kidney is very healthy. I pause for a minute and like, are you kidding or are you just joking or are you being serious now? Like, am I calling the right person now or like, because I was still doubting, I didn't believe this is going to be it. And yeah, so, um, yeah, so, and he said yes. And now I just want you to listen to all this instruction before, before tomorrow, because I want you to come tomorrow on the 3rd of August at 8 a.m. in the morning, which is to, um, um, transplant um, unit so he said do your dialysis tonight and I told him like I did my dialysis yesterday so I'm not due today he said no I want you to do it tonight and then come tomorrow because sometime uh, it might take long and it might be cancelled so I want you to do your dialysis tonight and then tomorrow come tomorrow with your stuff yeah and yeah so I will see you tomorrow at 8 so yeah, from there, yeah, I was in shock. I was like in disbelief. I like, I this serious. Like, um, I, I just said anyway. As you know, I'm a Christian. I said, did God just I actually answered my call now? Like, yeah. So I'm that night. Yeah, I couldn't sleep. The dinner that I, I was like, did you sleep? <laughs> the dinner that I cooked didn't I didn't even eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you nervous? At yeah. So I was never then. Um. Yeah, cried cried it all night and I didn't tell. The person that was on the phone with me, that's the person I told, like, the possibility that I might get a transplant tomorrow, but I'm not too sure yet. So probably, um, until I go in, that's when I'm gonna, that's when I'm gonna know exactly what's happening. So, yeah, so, yeah, so all night in the morning, I called one of my friends to take me to the hospital. And then I, I told her, this is what's gonna happen. I don't know what it is, but just wait. I will let you know, let me just go in. I went in there very anxious, very worried. Yeah, still not believing what it is. And then I went in there, they just um, sat there and I met the transplant nurse. And he started doing ECG, taking blood, taking a whole lot of blood that need to be for uh, research and stuff yes. like that. So like a lot of tube that they need to take. They done that and then all suddenly everyone just coming, surgical doctor was coming, they all the renal transplant doctors uh, all these different people just coming and everyone was rushing me like okay this is getting serious you know <laughs> and yeah um from there yeah i was just yeah I'm like okay um yeah i'm still nervous still very nervous they're very nervous sitting in the bed i'm not yeah even when they're doing ecg like they couldn't get it because i'm i was completely nervous yeah, yeah. so yeah we they took me to theater yeah, well, the anesthetic just gave me, I don't know, I think my dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can I check what you got there, guys? Just making sure. Yeah, so he saw me very nervous, so I think he gave me a dad. And I'm from there, I was lagging already, yeah. Yeah, pass out. And yeah. yeah, later I wake up, when I wake up, wake up with all these wires in my body. And yeah, we're like, oh shit, it did happen. Yeah. So yeah, we're like, yeah, it happened. Okay. So I had a central line, got IDC in. 
Um, got blood pressure cup everywhere, like my arm is just out there, fluid there. Mm. Yeah, and and I can see yeah, fluid coming, like urine coming out. And as you know, I haven't passed urine for five years. Five years. For a good five years, I haven't passed urine. So it just, yeah. Do you go to the toilet bit. anyway, just, just so like... Yeah, you just go to the toilet and just drip, just like maybe that's just it. one drop. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it'd be it. good if you go to a concert because you don't have to move your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Room. But that's why, concert. like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to other places and I'll be sitting there, everyone is going to the toilet and, like, yeah, well, you go out party and be like, everyone is just <laughs> going to the toilet and I'm not going to the toilet. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, with the... After the surgery, yeah, a lot of things went down because um, with the IDC and me passing urine, I, I got a little bit confused. Like, to be honest with you, I was confused and mm. my blood, I, because it was better sensitive with uh, now urine, mm. it's it making urine and I feel like the IDC in there, I'm passing urine and, then, and my brain wasn't connected and I feel like I want to go to the toilet. To do away. To do away. Like. Every five minutes, I want to go. I tell the nurse, I want to go to the toilet. You're the one nurse, of those people in the bed trying to get up. Yeah, and, and the nurse, like, said, no, 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 you got to cut it down. Like, like, literally yelling at me and said, you got to cut it in there. You can't keep saying that you want to go to the toilet. <laughs> I'm like, I understand, but my head is not connecting. My head, <laughs> yeah, you're not, my head you're is not connecting to the, um, me saying that I've got IDC in there. Yeah. When I go to the toilet, yeah. I'll feel better. Yeah. I'll feel better. Let me go. Yeah, the nurse didn't like it, and I did, <laughs> like even put all the barrel out because try to stop me to get out of the bed. You're the old lady with the legs over the top. Yeah, of the so thing. I keep climbing out, and next minute they put the cardiac lead on. Like when I try to leave, the cardiac monitor will go off. Yeah, so it was a little bit yeah, and um yeah, got very 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 confused and mm. yeah and yeah that things just like oh my god like like I see this at like you know we tell. Being a nurse and not being a patient, and when we tell the patient, "Oh, you got the IDC in," and they're still saying, "No, no, I want to go to the toilet." Like I just imagining that. It's just yeah. like, oh God, <laughs> I think we should listen to patient a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, you like, and you can hear someone, a nurse next door, is telling the other patient around the curtains, "You yeah. got a catheter in." Yeah. You know, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, did you wake up from the surgery and think it, like it didn't happen? Like, is that a dream? Did yeah, like well, it, like, that's that, that that's the thing. I thought that's what I was gonna wake up like. Um, like when, yeah, I thought I was gonna wake up with like, well, maybe I didn't get it, mm. but yeah, well, getting all this, putting IDC and everything, and I got one on one nurse, and yeah, so it was just like like, uh, and then the doctor came later, even though I was very very drowsy. Mm. Doctor said, yeah. Yours was um, successful and everything went well. Yeah, when we connected you, you passed urine immediately. I'm like, okay, that's good. And yeah, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, process of, while at the hospital and yeah, you, my stomach was very distended because um, the kidney, they gave me, because I lost weight during that time when I was on a hemodialysis, the kidney was a little bit bigger yes. to my stomach was a little bit distended. Fitting the kidney in. Yeah, the, yeah, very distended and yeah, I couldn't eat for good three weeks. Three like, weeks? Yeah, I lost a lot of weight, oh, so wow. yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I lost a lot, lost a lot of weight and that was, yeah, it was quite challenging. Mm. Yeah, but after that too, I had a little bit of complication that was homotoma. There's a little bit of collection around where the kidney area, so yes. they have to take me back to to theater to just yeah to remove all the 
Yeah. Were you concerned uh, when they took you back into the field? Yeah, yeah I, I was a bit concerned, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so just, yeah, I was a little bit concerned. But, yeah, after that, they said, oh, everything is fine. We've mm. done a biopsy again. Yeah. And the biopsy was everything coming back very good. So, yeah. Now, this is a silly question. Like, you're born with two kidneys, all right? Was your other kidney working? Okay, yeah. So the other thing is, so when, when, they, when they find out, when they try to do ultrasound, they done a multiple ultrasound. They couldn't find a right kidney. They only found the left one. So they done multiple ultrasound. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't do biopsy because due to having one, they said there's a risk of yeah. you having a bleed and you already got one. Yeah. That can go. So go um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't want you to go through. That's why they didn't do biopsy. But actually, they, according to my diagnosis, they actually don't know exactly what's causing it. And, but if I'm looking back, what caused my kidney failure? As you know, we've been in a war. We run from, like, com- like during the bush, running around, going anywhere, all these from different places, from like South Sudan to Kenya, yeah. to Uganda. Run me through and your earliest memory of that. Like, yeah. like you, you grew up in Sudan, South Sudan. Yeah. You, you, what was happening? Like, what do you remember about that sort of stuff? Oh, a lot of things. Well, the thing that you remember is just the thing that are not actually good because you, you walk through the bush, no water, no food. And, yeah, you go for days with no water. If you find a water, that's not going to be a dirty water. They're not actually dirty water, rain, rain water. That's on the ground. That's the water that you drink. So these things um, probably, and also too, during the time, all these things happening, I, I lost my dad and my, at that age. And I was with him and I was a very young age and I was lost in the bush. So you, so you, so I know this is pretty sensitive, but like, mm. you're, how old are you at the time? Oh, I was nine. So you're nine yeah. in the bush with your other brothers? Or just with, with my father. With your father? Yeah, and my father, yeah, yeah. And your father was killed? He got killed, yeah. So, and, and you were yeah. there at the time? Yeah, I was there at the time, and just have to walk mile and mile where I can find people. Just like walking through the bush, with, and you know, in Africa, there's lion everywhere, all the animals. And not eating anything, I don't know how to survive, that's why I said, um, God loved me sometimes because I probably that would be having a kidney now probably be my second chance being alive as a person because going through through the bushes by yourself as a child and you don't know where you're going to no do direction. You, do you remember those memories? Being, yeah. Being nine walking through the bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I like to be honest with you guys, I haven't told my family how my father died. Like because I, I find it very distressing because like sometimes that's why I don't. Never told my family to how my father died and all those kind of stuff. So I just yeah, it just yeah. But it is, it is, it is sad. But I think going through that it can keep you, um, it give me a hope. I think that's why it gave me a lot of hope to go through um, what I went through uh, with the kidney problem because um, when I had a kidney problem, I said this is not the first like big thing that have happened to me. I always keep myself hope up. A lot of things, this thing can put you a lot of, uh, through a lot of depression and, and anxiety. Like sometimes when I go to the doctor, the doctor asks, are you depressed? Like I said, yeah, I might be depressed, but I don't, I don't think about it. I say to the doctor, if this is what it is, I have no. By the end of the day, even though I get old, whatever it is, we're all gonna go the same way. We're all gonna die one day. If it is my time, I don't, it is okay. I'm not gonna be saying that, why is it meaning? It can happen to anyone, and I'm, I'm not blaming what I went through. And it, um, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong, or I have not done anything wrong to the world to be able to 
do it. Yeah, it's just things happen in life where, you know, most of the African countries, they're all in the world. I don't know what it is, but it to do with their political kind of issue. And innocent people are get caught up in this innocent, like I myself, I was innocent. I had nothing to do with any, any political issues or anything like that. So, but you have to go through all those kind of stuff. And yeah, going through a lot of uh, things that I have faced in my life, I think um, it kept me hoping for life and, and to go through my kidney issue. And you know, that's why I say like Australia, I came here with, I came to this country with nothing. And I gained my high school certificate. I have gained my, uni I have gained my university um, uh, degree. And I got a new kidney. And it's all, and and also too, I built my own house, and yeah, it's awesome, all these things, um, things that I have found here in Australia, and I came with just all the clothes that I was wearing in this country. So I'm, I'm grateful to be in this country. I guess the crazy thing is when Charles explaining all this, I sort of thought about him as a little kid, and I could just imagine, you know, you know, being nine or being eight, um, and. I mean, Chol knows what it's like to be, he would have known what it was like to be, you know, afraid. He would have known what it's like to be hungry, to be thirsty. He would have known what it's like to be cold. He would have known what it's like to be stinking hot. He would have known what it's like to be afraid or scared or frightened. Um, he would have known what it's like to feel abandoned or left. Um, he would have known what it's like to sort of feel so excited coming to a new country and then almost to have that pulled away from him uh, and to have, you know, being told that you are going to die from kidney disease. Um, so just that merry-go-round of all those different emotions. Some of us have experienced some of those emotions in our life or with family members, um, but it just made me really resonate with Charles uh, on these emotions and on the journey that he walked through, not only as a little kid, but also into adulthood. Um, yeah, so yeah, life is challenging and all these memories um, are there in my back of head and and yeah, so and being here in Australia and, and my family, you know, we were separated but when you come here, you, your family, you can write a letter and you can, they can find people where they are, so and I find my family when they, my mom and mother, brothers and sisters, yeah, so, yeah, being here now, I look after my family and I do support them. You know. oh, do you yeah. Yeah. How long were you in Oh, like, to be honest with you, like, more than, th like, three weeks, to be honest with you, three like, weeks. three weeks, yeah. By yourself? Yeah, by myself. Trying to find food? Yeah, like, you when I went, anything? when I, yeah, well, basically, we usually eat, there's a lot of fruit around in the bush. Yeah. You can just have them. When I went, I was very skinny. Very, very, very skinny. Oh, dude, yeah. Very, very, very skinny and very looked completely you must so dry and yeah, all those stuff. Were and I was, I was scared and like yeah, I was frightened like the, like yeah, we, through that too. Like couple of weeks or months later, I was still having a nightmare and all those kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you wake up in the middle of the night and just screaming and stuff like that. Do they think that the sorry? Do they think that being in the not eating or drinking for three weeks caused the end stage renal failure? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's what they saw because, like, yeah, that's probably, yeah, and when I say these things, I say probably this is what it caused the um, new problem because there's no, they try to ask any family background of yeah, the kidney yeah, failure yeah, and all yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, like, no one get checked up. Yeah. yeah, no one get checked up and to be able to know this, like, except what I've been through, I've been through the bush 
been through a lot of walking areas. Even though I went through Bruja, found by people, we still have to walk different places, like to go where there's no other way of transport except you walking. So that's basically yeah. And during a war, people are getting killed. Yeah, people are getting killed. So you walk through a lot of people, you pass them, and those things. Yeah, you just gotta keep your head up, and you just don't have to think about it. And so then after all that, you were pretty unwell, I would imagine you were hungry, you, you were Yeah, or say something, yeah, we, we live in a refugee camp, we eat, you eat once a day. If you eat lunchtime, no dinner for you. So yeah. that's basically what people are living, um, living. yeah. Well, that's the same thing, like here in, while I'm here in Australia, like I pay a little bit of money to UNHCR because mm -hmm. these people, are the people that help us. Yeah. And I do that every every month or every fortnight, yeah. just for that mm -hmm. money to go. It doesn't matter where you're going, you're going to Afghanistan, or going anywhere, it's gonna help any refugee camp. Any refugee came was good. What we go through there, because um, yeah, it, no one go through it, and and it's only if you've been through that journey that's when you know what you've been through. But what yeah. did you learn in the refugee camp? Ah, uh, it's just like it, things that you learn as a person. You know, you, you it's a struggle, mm. and a struggle of you is hoping for tomorrow to wake up not dead mm. because most of the time people it's not going to wake up in next refugee yeah not going to wake up next day because if you eat one day you're going to get yeah. anorexic and all those other diseases are happening yeah. and yeah so everyone you just sleep hoping that you're going to be alive tomorrow that's the only thing that you hope for because otherwise there's nothing will go yeah. mm. and we were very lucky because when we put in our application we didn't have any complication application to come to Australia. To come to Australia. Yeah. Were you just, in the refugee camp at the time? Yeah, it just went like that and we came. So How many years have you been in the refugee camp for? Oh, a couple of years, uh, six years in that six refugee camp. Yeah. Yeah, but we moved from different places to different refugee camp. Around, around just try to find yeah. where family are. It's just yeah. basically, that's why we're moving. You go to that place so you want to find where your family are. Like getting off a plane and landing in Australia, after what you've, you you walked through the bush as a little kid, You've seen your parents, or your father. Oh, it, it well. Yeah. Let's just say being on a plane for first time. It's just yeah. like a, it's just like a shocking kind of a yeah. It's, yeah, it just yeah. It just it was completely yeah, and yeah, it was completely different. When you come to this country, mm. it was cold, and yeah. we came in July. That was a winter time. In July. <laughs> so we mm. left in a you know, yeah, we left in a very very warm like. 40 degrees a day, yeah, hot, so right. very hot and windy and very, yeah, so, and we came here in a freezing, like, you for flew us. to Sydney? Yeah, flew to Sydney and then we catch another plane to Kofsava. Okay. Yeah, wow. so, yeah, it just, yeah, it was very, it was completely, the climate change, the food change. Did you live with anyone else? The people. Oh, like, I live with my brother and, okay. uh, Sorry, yeah. and we do have, uh, couple of uh, Australian supportive family to come yep. but you know we didn't know language so we just pretty much talking with the hand wow. just using your hand <laughs> <laughs> Wait. yeah Wait. yeah yeah so those stuff and then they try to teach us how to use the, the oh. stove the oven and all those oh, stuff yeah, yeah. You didn't burn anything? yeah we didn't burn anything <laughs> <laughs> except we almost burn ourselves with a child no hot we're oh. gonna tell her <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't know which one was which, or just because you 
That's good. Yeah, so, it's, it's little things like that, isn't it? You just little realize. things, just little things, yeah. And also, too, like, yeah, oh, like they just said the battery <laughs> ran out of the, um, well, the alarm went off, alarm um, batteries ran yeah. out of battery. Yeah. And they keep beeping, like making noise, and we thought it was a bird <laughs> at the top of the roof. <laughs> So those little things that like, actually yeah. can make you laugh and yeah, yeah. can make you feel like damn. So until this wide yeah. people that were helping them, like say yeah. that this thing that make noise every bloody every day twenty four seven doesn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Get you a love Okay. Yeah. Until they find out it was the battery. Yeah. They change the battery and the noise gone away. Dude. <laughs> So, yeah, it's quite challenging and mm. it will be challenging for somebody to come to this country and have no one to teach them yeah. how to, do, do you have how to heart, live life. Yeah. Do you have a heart now for refugees? Like, like yeah. you, you, do you help people? Like you're a nurse, you work in emergency, but also you, you've come through. Yeah, I, I'll things. take you a little bit um, background of how did I become a nurse? Why did I choose to be a nurse? Because back, back when we were in a Robert G. camp, my uncle, um, he's a pastor in church. Mm. And church have a compound where all the pastors live. Mm. So in the middle of the night, the local people of Kenya, um, the robbery came with a gun, they shoot everyone down. In the refugee camp? In the compound. Oh, the camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, within the compound, the church compound. Kill them all? Like, kill them all. My uncle was lucky and he got shot through the back. So they, the bullet went through his spine. And because there was no medical good hospital, yeah. I think the bullet is stuck in there and that paralyzed his legs. Paralyzed from the waist down? Yeah, waist down completely. You couldn't move anything like that. So basically, during the Robert G. came, while I was 15, 16, I was looking after him, doing all the things. They took him to Nairobi, but because yeah. he couldn't afford, yeah. they had to bring him back. And they bring him back with IDC and all those stuff. Yeah. So I was doing this thing for him, yeah. helping him, like mm. showering him. Yep. All those while I was yeah fifteen and sixteen, and this is how I decided to be a nurse. When I first came here, um, went to school, I would see a career uh, advisor, and they asked, "What do you want to do?" I like I want to do anything to do with medical. The reason why is I was looking after my uncle, and I want to find exactly what went wrong with him, mm. why he was paralyzed, and all those kind of stuff. And because I didn't have knowledge and all those stuff, I just want to know. Mm. And I was keen in that. So this is how I choose, how I become a nurse. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Reflecting back on all those things that happened to me, it just, mm. like, it gave me a strong hope of things, like, you know, this is what it is. Mm. I accept whatever it is happened. Yep. These doctors are not lying. No. They're telling the truth. Yeah, okay. I just went on with it, and, mm. yeah, so, and I, I, I don't think, like, I, that's why I don't think about it, like, I was on a homodialysis, I still go to church, go dancing, went and play and do all the things that I want. I want to do things. That's why I, even when I finished building my house, I was on a homodialysis. I just want to say, this disease found me with the things that I have planned in my life. Mm. And I'm going to die, finish all the things that I have planted. If I'm going to die, if, if I die, my house, my sister will have it. Mm. That would be something That's, for her. Yeah. And... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, so I left something for her. Mm. It, it doesn't mean because we're all gonna die later, and whoever is left mm. in the family is still gonna have it. Yeah, cool. And this is how I, I have accepted all these things. And on that second of August, I never thought I would get a phone call. They said that you're gonna have a kidney transplant mm. on the third. And 
and going when I call my family up and tell them that this is what happened and they just like yeah everyone was in tears and were like they can't believe it mm. and yeah how now how has it changed you as a clinician like you you know you're on the transplant list you thought you probably would have died waiting for a kidney you never know where you are on the list that's correct you don't know who you don't know, you know who the kidney's going to come from mm. you don't know if you're ever going to get a phone call you've always got your phone plugged in and allowed just in case you get a phone call yeah i would imagine um it's like being on call but way worse until life mm. um and then now you've had a transplant how has it changed the way you look after people yeah yeah, well, it, it has changed me a lot of a lot of people. Like I said to myself, I listen to patient more than than, <laughs> than I used to. When because the catheters being like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and like I said, sometimes we judge our nurses. Yeah. I think we should because we should listen to people a bit more. I know there's a lot of things that are happening, especially emergencies, busies, and yeah, yeah. and things. Things don't go the way the things they should be. We don't have, we don't, we're not spending a lot of time with patient and no. we high pace environment where we need yeah. to move on with things. And I think yeah, listen to the patient and be able to get more from them. Sometimes I can tell you because I know some people just come here just to pay attention or yeah. that, but some are things we need to be more vigilant about mm. how we are rolling on things and also to. Um, to talk about the transplant, you know, um, I think everyone is like, you know, about the transplant thing. Everyone is registered to do the transplant things. Seeing I got the transplant, I, I like I talk to my community a lot about these things because, like, for being them, a donor, you mean? being a donor yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and get registered because, like, let's just say my life is now in a good health, mm. and I don't know the family who gave this uh, kidney to me, mm. and that person decided. If I die, I wanna, I wanna give somebody health, yeah. a new life, and this is what happened to me. And I encourage people like all the time, like yeah, now yeah. to be registered, registered as a donor. It's not and hard to do. I've done it. Yeah, yeah, it just only take one minute or one that, yeah, it's and not, not and, hard. and it, you 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 can change somebody else's life. My life is changed. Yeah, and be able to be more energetic. Be like when I first came back to work, everyone like wow. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Yeah, everyone was just like, wow, like, just like that, you you just completely, you're a different man. Yeah. You look so awesome, and you look like, look at your eye, just like, yeah, you were. like, they can just see the difference from being your, like, how sick I was. Like, oh. some people were just, actually realized that I was sick. Yeah. When yeah. they saw me when I first came back yeah. to work. And that feeling of seeing my workmen so happy about me, it just made me feel more grateful than it, than than anything because and I appreciate the family what they did and mm. um, coming August 3rd I have to write an anonymous letter to them because I don't know who they are yeah, yeah. but you can't reach to them no. because they said you they, they can't privacy. be revealed yeah. due to privacy mm. but I, I will probably that's what I will be doing years and years and years to write to them just say thank you yeah. because what you done to me mm. not only changed my life but it changed the life of the people that Will live with me, and, so. and also the the impact that you have as as a human mm. on your family. Like you said before, you you, you don't just pay it to you. Yeah. Like I don't know about me, but like sometimes in Australia, as Australians, we we focus on us. Yeah, we go like oh, I'll sort my house out. I want to get the next car. I want to do this and do that. Yeah. But different other cultures, quite commonly, 
you get yourself sorted, but at the same time, you don't stop. You don't go, when I've got money, I'll give it. You just give little bits at, at a time. Yeah. And then you look back and you've been giving for 20 years to help your sister. You've been giving for 20 mm. years to help your brother. You mm. know, like, mm. it's a small bit, but it's a huge impact. I, I think I remember working a shift with you mm. when you were pretty sick. You got your creatinine checked yeah. on a shift we worked together, and I'm pretty sure it was... Yeah, it was, it was really high, yeah. How yeah. high were we looking at when you were sick? Oh, it was around 800, I yeah. think, uh, yeah. Oh, like, it more, is it over 1,000? Yeah, because I remember we did a shift. Yeah, it was sure over 1,000. over 1,000. Your yeah. blood pressure was around 200. 200, yeah. Over, like, um, Nurse yeah. Robin was checking blood pressure. I'm like, wow, that's just, like, crazy. Yeah. You got a headache? Yeah, we worked together. I remember, I think I'm not, uh, I've done a shift with you. And yeah, I'm, it was a night shift. I think, I don't know whether you I were there. Overtime. overtime, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember something about you were unwell. Yeah. And um, I do remember your blood pressure was checked and yeah. you were pretty unwell. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, I was, yeah. It was, it's, yeah. And it's hard because you do work hard, but when you're not well, you can't give any more than you can give. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah, it was challenging. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I'm, yeah, and just, just pretty inspired, actually. Um, the other thing I wrote, I looked up your name, Chol. Chol mean if somebody passed away, Deng, uh, is that a rain? The rain? Rain, yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And Thorn is a bull. A bull. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's your dad's name. Yeah. Powerful man. Powerful. <laughs> and then I think then people should know that too. It's a very common name. There's a lot of. There's like a couple N- of professional athletes with yeah, Danny, yeah. there. Yeah. So NBA and Ralding used to be like that's the thing when I used to come to work here. Everyone just said hey, Ralding, your cousin, and all this kind of stuff. And people you know, you know the yeah, yeah, got the strain of the year. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, he came from, uh, we used to live in the same Ravajee camp, uh, the Australian Young of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, we used to live in a Ravajee camp, and he used to play a lot of soccer ball. Like, he he met soccer ball through the plastic. Like, or let's just say, anyway, it's not healthy, but... We used to burn the they used, No, they used the glove. Or oh, to blow it up. Blow it up, and then tie it, yeah. yeah. And then later, sometime when two people collided together, it, probably it, will pop. It pop. <laughs> yeah, it will pop. Well, Whoever knows. You coming to Australia, you'll be a young Australian of the year. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, and he's come through the hard work. Yeah, yeah. So that's the same thing, and we've seen a lot of kids that have gone two different ways. You're given opportunity, and you're just wasting it on the different things. And mm. yeah, and I would not say the every community have a, their own real bad people, whatever it is. Yeah. But we have some good kids that are there, and people that are here are taking this opportunity not to just play with it and just use it wisely and be able to achieve whatever they want to achieve. And as you can see, these couple of, all these kids that are, yeah. I were in Australia and in, um, national soccer team, they all came from Rabbit G camp. Yeah, so, and it is a support from everybody and all the people um, that have checked it on me and all those kind of stuff. And during my transplant, and yeah, like when my child posted thing like, got so many people calling me checking on me every day and that was really I was so overwhelming and like and the love that I got during that time was just like even though when I went home yeah I was still getting people checking on me like yeah. want to do things and all those kinds of stuff and and yeah I'm 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 grateful to you guys and I appreciate all the people that I work here with and and yeah it's been especially you Ben you've been a, a, you've been a good brother and yeah, and you being energetic is always motivated everybody. That's good idea. I'm always just pumped up. Yeah, yeah, you just popped up everywhere. And when you talk to somebody, 
You just like you just light up somebody like if they're in a bad mood you just light them up. Just, <laughs> the just the, you go away. <laughs> <laughs> you with just it. with just that, that little smile that you do it's just like yeah it just it, it is. Mm. Yeah. Is there any just to close in finishing? Um, is there anything that like you know like there's a quote like is there anything that kept you going that you just remember talking to yourself or for, for just in one thing that you just remember that kept you going through all of it was there anything that or was it just that internal yeah i think i think that what put me through is my family yeah because it just yeah Mm. like i said i got my family on my back Mm. if i drop the whole thing is the whole family is going to drop and that 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 kept me up because yeah i don't want to i didn't want to let anyone down and Mm. yeah even though i was going through i didn't like yeah well like I, i i i refused to yeah, yeah. To be depressed and yeah. be able to because like if I get think about, I didn't think about the whole things. Even when I was getting phone call, I was just laughing, chatting away, and, yeah. and then yeah, and then to just to get the phone call just like that and just say, oh, you, yeah, we found a good kidney for you and a very healthy kidney too. It's just like, like wow, that's uh, just uh, like what? yeah, yeah. It yeah, it's a big change and yeah. So yeah. Awesome, bro. Um. Thank you for yeah for coming on, dude. You're an inspiration. I think sometimes we don't really know people's stories until we sit down and talk to them. Yeah, it's uh, so a bit of your story, but um, you are an amazing human. You've got some amazing qualities. I love when you smile, uh, and I see your white teeth, and you give me a little cheeky hello. Uh, and you know, dude, it's that um, it's the warmth that, that people know of you, man. That smile, the mm. laugh. Mm. We always have a muck around. But you are an amazing nurse and an amazing human with a great story. Yeah. So um, yeah. Sometimes I think when we're sick, sometimes uh, um, people don't realize. And that's what I said when I first came back to work. Yeah. That's when people realized that I was sick. Yeah. And it's just like you know, and yeah. So it it's just like me being who I am. Um, yeah. So it you. When when somebody wanna when they look at you like why is this person being lazy they don't know sometimes I'm a kind of person I'm not very openly yeah and this is a cultural kind of way I don't I'm not and open I don't off. yeah I don't mm-hmm. I don't I'm not open all the time people don't know only few people know my background in yeah, my workplace yeah. and I've been working here for a while it's been, yeah <laughs> yeah and my peop, some people don't know know my background even some people didn't know that I will actually uh, have a ring of failure. Mm. So that's how I was, but it's just because like a cultural, you don't just go and. You, you didn't want to bother. You don't want to tell them. You just. You just like, yeah. Your own, your own business. Yeah, I, I, I'm always very people that I'm comfortable with. That's yeah, the people yeah. I yeah. talk. I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> 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 I just don't get that I usually open up, and yeah, yeah few people here yeah, yeah. know. Um, yeah, I was open to them, and yeah, and look at me now, me smiling and me being being happy as I am, and mm. people seeing me more healthy. Yeah, than what I what they used to see me during the last five years. Uh, yeah, and the yeah. ability for your friends to get to know you that time longer and share memories and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Joel, yeah. yeah. it's been a pleasure. Um, and thanks for coming on, dude. You're an absolute legend. Yeah, damn. And thank you for bringing me up here. And I hope you guys will enjoy this. And oh, I think too. it's been a, a long interview, but hopefully Ben will make it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Be I'll more edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go yeah, so yeah, it's been a pleasure for welcoming me, you know. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. Done. I guess from this episode I want people to be reminded that we never know who's in our bed space, we never know who we're looking after or who we're working with. Um, sometimes we may need to ask someone what's your story 
Uh, I think it really was awesome when Chol was saying that he just has so much more um, patience with patience, if that makes sense. He has so much more time to listen. I've even seen just his motivation level exponentially go crazy. Um, he's, you know, the other day we were working together and I couldn't keep up. He was working so quick. Um, and I mean, it just shows you that when you have good working kidneys that the body needs, uh, you know, important electrolytes to work properly so you can function. Um, and it just shows you that when you're sick, you can never operate at your full potential. Um, and I just, it was just amazing to see that transformation of Joel. Once again, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. I've got some awesome episodes I'm recording this week um, you can listen to. Um, once again, if you want to follow me, you can find it on any streaming services. You can also follow me on Instagram, edgm underscore podcast, where you can look at my latest posts or latest episodes that have come up. Um, I hope you like it. I hope you're well. Uh, and I hope you have an awesome week. Later, frothers. You. The EDGM podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which this recording is occurring today, the Darabal people, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging.